guys, welcome back to This Is Life Unfiltered. I'm your host, Alexa Curtis, and this week I'm really excited. It's going to be a little bit of a quicker episode, but everyone just loves quick content nowadays, so what, whatever it is, I've got a pretty big founder in the studio, but before I get into the podcast, make sure you guys are following This Is Life Unfiltered on social media, which is at T-I-L-U podcast, and then also you can follow my social media at at Alexa underscore Curtis, and you guys know that the next be Fearless Summit is coming up on April 1st at UC Berkeley. And the reason that I've got Kashmir Nicole in the studio today is because I was introduced to her after I decided to partner with Morphe, which is an awesome cosmetics brand for the summit. So Kashmir's here and she's going to take us through her incredible story. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, take us back to the beginning. So what was growing up like for you and where did you grow up? Um, so first, um, just to introduce myself, Kashmir, Beauty Bakery CEO and founder. And sure, my growing up story, I grew up in South Bend, Indiana, um, lived at home with my older brother and my mom and loved on the arts and would just spend a lot of time alone because my brother was a few years older than me. So I was always in my room doing something related to art. So you grew up in a small town. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a small town too, so I can relate. At what point did you feel like you wanted to go in the entrepreneur direction or did you not find that until a little bit later on? I was a child entrepreneur, so I started lots of businesses as a, a young child, like nine years old. And wow. Tons of, of were your parents? No. No? So what were they? Um, my mom, I don't know, she would just have just random jobs. She didn't have like some career. And same for my dad. So you've really built an empire. So growing up, did you have necessarily like funding? Did you have people backing you? Or is this like you're fully self-made, no help from the get-go? I think that a full-on black female cannot get funding. So a black child definitely well, did not have you, I, I know. So, I know. Well, <laughs> I when I think of it, that. I no, know a no, little. No resources. Sure. But the library, yeah. you know, Google, encyclopedias. Yeah. Remember those? Um, but yeah, no, just. That's badass. my own aspire, you know, my own dreams, my own aspirations. So when you decided to go to college, how did you decide where to go? Because you didn't decide to go to like a New York or L.A. and do marketing or beauty. You kind of steered in a little bit of a different direction. Yeah, well, I was a teen mom. So for me, going to college was just all about getting the actual degree. Um, and, and maybe a few years in, I was really ready to quit. Um, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've been going to this school and juggling full-time job, my baby, homework, and all of these things, and I'm ready to leave school. And I went to talk to my counselor, like, look, I got to go. And she says, look, if you transfer your major to a general studies degree, you can be out by next semester. You have all these credits. You've just been going and going to school. You can leave next semester if you change your major. And I'm like, change it now. I got to go. Like, this is too much that I'm juggling. So I actually only have a general studies degree in um, a bachelor's degree in general studies. And was there a point then when you were kind of contemplating even to go into entrepreneurship when you had a daughter to take care of? Like there was a, there a fear there about will this pan out? How will I be able to support her? I think since I had already had dreams and aspirations of being an entrepreneur as a child, I was obsessed with teenpreneurs. I would rent tons of books from the library about starting a business as a child, write my own business plans and silly things like that and started a lot of businesses that failed as a child. So by the time I was in college, you know, once you have a child, you can't focus on yourself. You have to focus on putting food on the table today. 
So while it was something that I wanted to do, it was in the back of my mind because I also didn't understand the dynamics of how the hell are you actually raising a child, but you're at work for 10 hours. So I thought if you can just only become an entrepreneur, you could get more time with her. Um, So I hope that answers your question of like, did you have a regular job, quote unquote regular, not yeah, regular? Yeah, I had the nine to five. What were you doing? Um, so I went on my first tryst with college was an LPN, which is not a, a registered nurse, but it's a licensed practical nurse. It's a one year oh, yeah. program. So I was an LPN until I got the bachelor's degree and I was able to do more creative things with a bachelor's and the LPN. Um, but yeah, initially I was, you know, a floor nurse. So something I always like to ask entrepreneurs is looking back now with what you do, would you advise people who want to become an entrepreneur to go to college? Did that help you? I personally wouldn't advise it, but I would be, um, you know, it'd be a big miss for me to not mention the fact that my mom pushing me to go into college is what funded Beauty Bakery because I had you know, $50 left over after two weeks of working, you might have a spare $20 or $50. And maybe with that, you're getting something done to your website. Maybe you're actually paying for the actual subscription to Shopify and having a platform. Like I just had extra $50 or $20 left over, or maybe your disbursements from school loans, you have extra money kind of laying around and you can use that to fuel the business. But I never had any lump sums paid out to me, no funding, no family members to borrow from or anything like that. It was just a a function of putting in overtime at work just to have extra money to do it. So I think that while college didn't do anything for me in terms of business savviness or business acumen or anything to that degree at all, I think that it's still the LPN gave me the means to even have the spare money to design my own packaging or things like that. Yeah, I mean, I can relate. I think the most, some of the most successful entrepreneurs are the ones that had to figure it out on their own because that's how you get that grit. I'm I'm a big fan of not getting advice. Yeah. There was no one to give me advice. Who was I going to go ask? Or even money too. Yeah, money, advice, nothing. You just, I just dived in one day. I just put you know, I made a Facebook page and put CEO was Cashmere. And I think that when you say that you're the CEO, you'll become that. Yeah. You fit into it. So so you also had a pretty terrible bout with breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And at what age were you then? 27. So you had had your daughter or no? Oh, yeah. I had my daughter at 16. Wow. OK. Mm-hmm. And then how was that experience? How how deep were you into the company when you realized that when you were diagnosed? Um, so I started the company in 2011 and kind of prayed about what should I be doing? Because at this point, I'm tired of dreaming of being an entrepreneur. I'd started so many businesses and I just felt like I needed some higher power help. And I was like, I've never really like prayed and and expected a result. I just prayed and tried it and I actually heard back and it was powerful for me. It was just like, oh, I know what I need to do now. And he just said, you know, if you want to go down that path and you want to go into something that's all about self, which is beauty, it's about self, um, then you need to figure out a way to help others because love is about others. It's not only about self. And so I thought, okay, I'll just give back to raise breast cancer awareness. And because because for shallow reasons, I love the color pink. And then a year later, I had breast cancer. So I don't know. It just, I don't know. In hindsight, I feel like it just, it all built my character and it shaped a story that a lot of people find inspiring and it gives them hope. 
So if that was why I was used, then I'm fine with that. And uh, what were you doing at the time you were diagnosed? Um, I was still doing my day job okay. like uh, as a nurse, um, an LPN. And I worked at a hospital and worked on different functions, which they were trying to transition from electronic medical records or, or from paper medical records to electronic. So I was just one of the nurses contributing ideas and conversation to that. So you were pretty much a serial entrepreneur starting at age nine with all these little mini businesses. Mm -hmm. But when did you decide to leave when you were doing that and then start Beauty Bakery? And how did you first come up with that idea? What idea? Beauty Bakery. Um, well, I came up with the idea just um, it was a series of touch points of things that had been happening. And I thought, you know, this is going to be it. You know, this is this will be my last chance to become the entrepreneur that I want to be. And I'm going to give it my all in that prayer. Yeah. I was like, OK, I'm going to give it five straight years no matter what happens. If I get any if anything happens, I have to keep going. And I got sick. I, I felt like. You know, like there were times I didn't have a place to stay. Wait, I got to ask, what do you mean last chance? It was your last chance to become an entrepreneur. It was my last chance. I was tired of dreaming about it. Yeah. I mean, I had been pursuing something at this point, in my opinion of it, since nine years old. It was something I always wanted to do. So I felt like, you know, this you either give it your all sure. or stop dreaming about it. Like, shut up already. I love Try that. Try it or don't. Yes. <laughs> and that was where I was at at that point. So... So you have the idea, and then what was the first step? Because so many entrepreneurs struggle with, they have this big money idea, the light bulb idea, and then it's like, but what do I do now? Do you make a business plan? Do you ask somebody? I think the first step is to take a step. Like, people don't take a step, and they ask, and they spend five years asking their friends the same questions. Ten years, they don't know. No one knows what you should be except you. And if you don't know, I mean, you need to read. You need to be on blogs. You need to be listening to YouTube videos because that inspiration will jump out at you at some point, but it's you that has to do the work. No one else can do it for you. So you started the brand a little bit kind of before or right when social media was getting big, but before the whole days of like viralness and Instagram and... Yeah, it was just before. I, I literally remember getting on Instagram thinking it would not be a popular app. Yeah. And it was like spooky town. There was no one on there. Of and I was course. like, ooh, I found an app where I could just post what I want because there's no one on here. I could say what I want and do what I want. And then before long, it became big. And I was like, I never expected that. Was Shopify even around then? Um, Not when I first started the brand. I was actually using something called Big Cartel. Okay. Um, It's kind of I like an Etsy. Yeah. I was using that. And then when uh, Shopify came along, I had a really, I, I then moved from Big Cartel to Wix. Okay. And I designed my own site on Wix. And then when I heard about Shopify, someone helped me. Um, But it was still like the basic template and it was kind of ugly. I still have pictures of all of it. Yeah. Um, and I still have that site. Too, when you first put the brand out there, was there like an immediate response or did it take a little bit of time for people to kind of catch on? Uh, yeah, it's not my experience that there was an immediate response. Uh, in fact, I don't think anyone knew anything. I think I just saw a report of like what my first year sales were in my second year because I like wrote it down mm -hmm. and always wanted to remember it. But I think for me, at least my first um, customers were always like family and like of course. close people, you know. During so. those times then, I mean, you must have had, as all entrepreneurs do, moments of like, oh, what the fuck? How do I keep doing this? What would you tell yourself to keep yourself like amped up? This is going to be something. I would tell my daughter all the time that I quit. I would be like picking her up from school. And I'm like, just wanted to let you know I'm done with Beauty Bakery for good. And she'd be like, are you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm so done. It's just time to move on. And then... Um, one day, it actually, I took a break. I took a two-month hiatus from Beauty Bakery because I was sick. What year was this? Probably 2015. Okay. 
took a two-month hiatus and I was like, you know what? I know I just spent all of my money on this thing, like a photo shoot, a real photo shoot. I used to get the $50 photo shoots in the hood, but <laughs> I spent money on a real photo shoot and all of this. And I really want to delete everything and just quit. I'm so done with no results. I'm over it. This is silly. You're a mother. Why are you still dreaming? Go to work. Like, get this dream out of your head. Give up for once and for all. And I was like, no, I can't. I will take a two-month break. I took a two-month break. I came back feeling refreshed. And I'm like, okay, how do you feel? And I was like, oh, man, when I started down this path, I promised God that I would give this thing five years. Where's the calendar? Can I quit yet for what? I want peace in my heart to quit. You know, like I want to feel good about quitting. And I looked at the calendar and it was like, you only have six more months to keep a five-year promise. Like, okay, I'm amped. I got this. Let's do it. And two weeks later, two weeks later, it was it was on the map. Everyone knew about Beauty Bakery. So do you think that during that two-month period, you were burnt out? Or how would you kind of describe that Well, feeling? prior to the two-month period, I was definitely burnt out. I was juggling a full-time job, raising my daughter on my own, which is hard as hell, and then trying to get a business off the ground, plus make sure your child has a quality life. She's in sports. She's soccer, mm-hmm. basketball. Like, it's crazy. So by the time I decided I needed a break, it was just, it was like either I'm going to quit, bear myself out, or something, like... So let me ask you, after that period of time where you were in such kind of self-doubt and wanting to give up, and then you said it really kind of paid off and something happened, was it one thing that happened or were you all of a sudden just getting a lot of views on the site? Take us through now this next chapter of success. Yeah, it was um, actually understanding that I was posting certain things that I guess I didn't know at the time. I was posting things and people weren't really feeling them. You know, you you might have a page and you typically get 50 likes and you're excited. And 50 likes is great because you're like, I got 50 likes. But when you get 5,000 likes, you know you did something. Mm-hmm. And that was the difference for me. You know that, okay, so I must have done something they liked. What is this thing that I did and how do I replicate that? So were you starting to post different things or was it on the website you were creating like different products? Oh, it was just on Instagram. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So looking back, do you think if you had started the brand now that you would have had the same success? Because you built it kind of a little bit before social media got so big. So I feel like, and I I started back in 2011 too. So those phases of time, you were almost ahead of people because you figured out the actual business side of it. And then the social media obviously is the business side, but it's more of the fun part. Yeah, I would say that if I were to do it today, um, I I would feel like I'm behind. There's so many things that have happened in terms of marketing trends and customer behavior changes and things that I think I was just right in the heart of. I think that if you start a business today, there's something easy about it, you know, that our parents didn't have. We have a platform where you could actually reach so many people. But every day we all say, how come I didn't get this many likes? Mm-hmm. Like we're on a platform where millions of people are quote unquote walking by, yet we can't get them to look our way. So it's hard and it's easy. It's like you have the tools, you just got to figure out how to make them work for yourself. Has your daughter ever struggled with that? You know, as many young people do about likes and self-worth on social Absolutely media. Absolutely not. No. no what no. do you mean? She's solid in her, her self-worth. She knows who she is independent of alike, independent of support. You have to know where you want to go for yourself. And I think that if we let likes dictate us, like there was one point where I thought, oh, my family doesn't support 
Well, who the hell honestly has time to support? Everyone's trying to eat out here. Everyone's trying to get ahead. Everyone's trying to create their next big thing. Um, You need to prove to other people that what you're doing is actually worth them stopping meals, stopping their future, stopping everything to pour into you. If you can just build something, um, I think that we need to take the negativity out of lack of support. As a mother, raising your daughter when social media got so big, if she had been someone who was struggling really heavily with self-worth or, you know, the likes and whatnot, what would you have told her to get out of that insecurity online? I think that you need to look internally. You need to look within yourself and try and figure out why you want people who do not know you to, to value you. When a lot of our values are internally, you can't see that uh, that you are a loving person just by walking by. Right now, you're just a stranger, right? You don't know me. You don't know what makes me and what it took to create me. Breast cancer made me. Um, being a single parent, being left by myself to raise my daughter and make sure that she's a contributing member of society made me, but you wouldn't see that walking by. So why would we expect people who walk right by to place... A, a great value on us just based on looks like that's not going to work. Yeah, so for sure. You have to look within yourself and say, why would I want a complete stranger to place a value on me? So I'm curious what your thoughts are on the whole. And I usually ask a lot of people this question, kind of, quote unquote, the influencer movement or people who, you know, are just these online celebrities and don't necessarily have a brand and people really aspire to be these people, but they're they're online. It's the Internet. Um, So as someone who has built a brand both online and offline, what do you think about this movement? And do you think now that it's really quite saturated where it maybe isn't worth trying to pursue that as a career? Like there's so much other opportunity. Mm, I'm careful with the word saturation because I think people were tossing that around when I was pursuing Beauty Bakery, even then. Online? Even before... Even before Instagram was popping, people felt like, well, there are a lot of makeup brands. Mm -hmm. So you have to be careful with the word saturation. I think you need to pursue what feels right for you. But my personal take on influencing is, you know, if if you feel like you can get out there and be different and attract um, and change the, the belief of a lot of brands, which now brands are sketchy, right? They know that you can buy followers. They know that you can buy engagement. How can you then, knowing that that is what a brand feels, how do you change the way that they feel about that? How do you actually become a partner, someone that appreciates what this brand has built over time, and you both grow together? Because if there's any hint of only you should grow and only you should benefit from this, I think they'll go the other way. They've got customers to take care of. So I don't have as much of a consumer-based brand as you do, uh, an actual product. But if if you had any advice for someone that maybe wanted to start a sneaker line or a sock line, uh, what would what would be the first step for them? So they have this product, say it's a makeup palette or whatnot. Do they make a prototype and then sell it on Instagram? Do they make a website? How do they get their product out there? They don't get advice. Mm-hmm. They need to take the first step. Any step is the right one. And I think the problem is a lot of people read blogs and we see step one Mm -hmm. and we think that that's, I have to take the first step. In fact, I thought because I was doing everything on my own, I went and I did like got the business cards and I made the Facebook page and then I went down to the county city building and tried to register my business. And um, years, years later, when the brand finally took off, I had to get an office lease. Do you know when you're filling out all of the paper for the office lease 
there's actually things you need to show them that prove that you're an actual business, right? I had done everything wrong years before. Like the LLC? Or- I had done whatever it was. I had done it all wrong. <laughs> and, I, and I giggled to myself because so many people don't even start. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter. I did it all wrong. But guess what? I went and got the things they told me I needed. And I, had a, and I moved right into my office. Who did you aspire to be at, like whether or even now when you were growing up, were there entrepreneurs or celebrities that you were kind of admiring as you started this entrepreneurial journey? No, there was there was no no person. I just wanted to be own a business and I wanted to run a business. And I don't know why that was so I don't know where the allure came from for a child, but I just wanted to be me and I wanted to run a, run a business. It's hard, though. I mean, people, you don't just wake up and post or put makeup on and run no. this company. I mean, what is one thing that people wouldn't realize about what you do? Um, they wouldn't know that I put out fires every day across my company. There's always something breaking. It's like a classic picture of someone with uh, teapots or teacups in their hand and you're like over here like ah 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 sometimes it's like that we have crazy days where maybe the biggest fire is in customer service a customer didn't get their package on time and they're really upset and they're threatening to blast us on social media and we're like how do we respond to this and then you go over to the marketing department and they're going to be late for a deadline and that's going to be a problem for a retailer who thought they were going to get something on time and you're like oh my god every day there's something and you just go with it. You just How many retail stores is Beauty Bakery even in? We're probably in close to now 1,000 locations worldwide. We're in um, 600 Ulta Beauty. We're in all of the Morphe uh, USA and UK locations headed into Morphe Canada and Morphe Australia. We're across uh, the Middle East. We're in 30 locations there. We're all throughout the United Kingdom. We're in Germany. We're in Belgium. We're in a lot of countries right now. So before we wrap up this podcast, how did you and Morphe decide to partner? Um, We decided to begin our relationship as a retail partnership. So Beauty Bakery is currently sold in Morphe stores and um, amazing partners. I think that If you knew the heart of the people that work behind Morphe, you would be blown away. They're the sweetest people. They have the biggest hearts, biggest thought, you know, just so considerate. And it's nothing like what you would imagine with so much of the beauty conversation that takes place. But wow, it's 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 phenomenal. Had they approached you or had you found them? Um, I honestly don't remember. I have a retail team, so I don't know if we approached them or they approached us, but loving the partnership. So that must have been kind of a dream. I mean, that's such a big store along with Ulta. Absolutely. You know, to have your products on the shelf, to walk by and have family members sending you pictures or customers saying, wow, I remember when this brand had, you know, boring packaging yeah. or, or basic website and now they're in Ulta Beauty or now they're at Morphe and you know, they're they're being talked about by some of our favorite influencers. It's just a dream that came true. It's funny, too, because I like Ulta so much more than Sephora. Was mm-hmm. that in the pipeline or were you always set on like Ulta if it's going to be one? I always felt like Ulta or Sephora, like I, either one. I love both. I'm a beauty lover. I mean, I, I get makeup from anywhere I can get it. Is there one brand, even though you're the founder of a beauty brand, that you love right now that you would say every single young person out there get this brand? I think it's Beauty Bakery. All I wear is Beauty Bakery. Mm -hmm. I obviously like Morphe products. Um, What other cosmetics brands? 
I'm into skincare right now, so I'm into Tatcha. Oh, everyone loves that elephant, stuff, yeah. But I'm a I'm a beauty hoarder, so I I try and tell myself to stop. But if I can get a, my hands on a cosmetic product, I will have it. Well, as a founder, also you have to live and breathe your product. If you were like I hate skincare, and you're the founder, I would be like, all right, I don't want to yeah, buy your stuff. Right. I'm a little concerned. <laughs> you're so, funny. so looking back, uh, my last question for you, Kashmir, is if you had one piece of advice for your younger self, what would you have told yourself? In business or personal life. Yeah, I would I would tell myself that the winning is just in not quitting. That's that's where the winning is. So however people want to define success is up to them. But for me, success is the fact that I just I don't quit. So that's why I'm going to win. Kashmir, I'm so thrilled to have you speaking at this summit. I'm so glad I was introduced to you Yay! from Morphe. So and excited. thank you so much for stopping You're by. You're so sweet. You're such a boss. I oh love how you put all of this Don't together. make me blush. Yeah, she's a boss, Thanks. guys. She is. I oh, see gosh. it in her. Where can everyone find you on social media and the um, brand? Beauty Bakery is B-E-A-U-T-Y B-A-K-E-R-I-E. So Beauty Bakery Makeup on Instagram and Cake and Cashmere is my personal Instagram page. So cute. You're making me hungry. Well, you guys, that's a wrap. This is, I think, our like second or third only out of 106 episodes filmed episode of This Is Life Unfiltered. So if you like this, write in the comments below and make sure to follow the social media for the summit as well, which is at Be Fearless Summit. You can check out the entire schedule. A PDF of it is available at BeFearlessSummit.org. And I will see you and you guys April 1st at Berkeley. Bye. Can't wait. 